Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recover Everything podcast, where we have honest discussions about everything in recovery. I'm your host, Chris West. On today's episode, we have myself, Caitlin Martinez, and Dr. Sarah Shonian doing a roundtable about the previous episode, Recovery Pact, which was the nation's first political action committee revolving around recovery. Don't forget to listen and subscribe. We are now on Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Recover Everything. Enjoy. Welcome to the Recover Everything podcast. Uh, we just did an interview with Recovery Pact, and now we're going to do a roundtable with Caitlin Martinez and Hello. Dr. Sarah Shonian. Ooh. So Recovery Pact, Political Action Committee for Recovery. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, well, I love Monica. I think she's great. And that's on a, a more personal level. But I also really appreciate... What the recovery pack is doing, mostly because they're the first organization of their kind to do something like that. And I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's really cool that we have one of the first recovery packs in America, here mm-hmm. in Nevada, and um, specifically headquarters here in Las Vegas, because we certainly need more support, more recovery options here locally. So I'm glad they're here. I'm, de- I'm definitely for political action committees mm-hmm. i just don't necessarily trust them yeah you're it's skeptical hard. which is I'm, good I'm i think definitely skeptical I think, about most political things mm-hmm. yeah i think we all have to have a healthy dose of skepticism and um be able to try and figure out what is accurate what's authentic and get some real information so how they talked about you know getting these three people together they choose who they endorse mm-hmm. i like the idea right I think it, it would probably be better. Well, Monica was mentioning that they didn't have a massive amount of yeah. candidates to kind of weed through, but I think it, it would be better if they had probably a more robust committee of people. Yeah. And it's only because I don't necessarily agree with who they endorsed. Right. That's a hard balance too. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to trust an organization when you don't trust who they endorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, especially it's, I trust the organization and I really like their accountability process of how it just doesn't end with whether or not their endorsed candidates win. Like it's, there's a a follow through game too. And I really, really appreciate that. But I have a hard time with, I, I really see addiction and recovery as something that's much more comprehensive kind of from a zoomed out perspective. And so it's not just recovery. Like I feel like recovery is very zoomed in and it's really easy to support, but kind of like we talked about, it's easy to sweep to the side. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me nearly impossible to not to just talk about recovery, but not talk about healthcare, not talk about housing, not mm-hmm. talk about um, the criminal justice system or all the other things that are impacted right. by addiction. Um, because from a clinical standpoint, if someone comes into my office and they're dealing with addiction, I know that addiction is not going to be the only thing that we discuss or that they need support with. Right. Because it never comes alone. It brings a lot of friends with it. Yeah. And it's no one really knows the real cause of addiction. So there because there's not one cause. Obviously. And so 
I think not addressing other issues like I mean, even the things that are big in the media now, like the Me Too movement and everything else that has to do with trauma and has to do with minority stress and has to do with, I mean, then you have like the genetic piece too that plays into it. But like Caitlin was saying, like housing and all of these things matter when it comes to the development of addiction and then the way in which addiction is treated. So you have to think about it from all angles, not just recovery. Why Why do you think it's taken so long to have a political action committee based around recovery? Because it's only been since 2016 that the Surgeon General did a, a statement issuing that uh, substance use disorders were a national health crisis and that but, they were a disease. But I'm, I'm just, I don't know this answer, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering if, because there's probably political action committees for every thing you can possibly conceive, and it probably didn't take a 2016 Surgeon General warning to start these. Right. I mean, Monica talked a little bit um, in the podcast about how the culture of recovery has been one of we're anonymous. Mm-hmm. We hang out yes, in church yes, basements. Yes, yes. That's where mm-hmm. we get our treatment. That's where we um, have our fellowship and we don't talk about it. And there's so much shame and stigma around addiction and even around recovery that I think for a lot of people um, putting themselves out there or you know making their voice heard to try and support recovery is, is difficult. There, there are potential consequences. Right. Yeah. And even when you say, oh, I'm in recovery, then automatically people have the opportunity to assume that you've done drugs Mm -hmm. and there's a huge stigma around that too. Not only did you do drugs, but you've also, or alcohol, but you have, would have to specify at that point. Um, but that also means that you had a problem with them, you know? And so not everybody had some type of lack of Mm self-control and people, which is not necessarily the case. Yeah. People bring to mind all of these worst case scenarios, which might be true, right? Like, have you stolen? Have you, injected drugs do you maybe have a disease related to that what what else went on when you were actively in your addiction Mm -hmm. um and then snap judgments are made i think based on those automatic thoughts that come up for people yeah so there's a lot of stigma associated with recovery in general even that recovery is a wonderful thing and millions of people are affected by addiction um nobody really likes to talk about it especially yeah yeah that's why we are that's why we're here um, the other big thing, uh, the second big thing on the platform was, uh, like, was it, was it justice? Stigma, justice, and, and pathways. pathways. Mm-hmm. So the, the justice part, that's a slippery slope as well. Like, yeah. To me, I, I, I do believe there are some people that, again, maybe the justice part is kind of with the pathway part where maybe some people's pathway is they need to go to jail. Yeah, and that's, I think, what happens a lot of times, too. It really depends on the crime that's committed. They don't just get a free pass if they have a drug-related crime. So if it's something that people need to go spend some time in jail for, then that's what happens. But I think the bigger problem with the justice issue is that we're they're talking about increasing, not the PAC, but other politicians are talking about increasing the number of like drug courts available and all this stuff. But really that is only the first step. So maybe you have law enforcement that's giving people the option to go to treatment instead of being put into jail. Um, They don't have anywhere to send people. So like that's, there's no long game. It's like, okay, great. Like you're, you have to go do treatment of 
whatever that may be. There's a, you know, a hundred different options, but people don't have options. There's no, that's Here, the problem. Here's where it gets a little tricky for me is like, all right, say you got cancer, mm-hmm. right? Is there a cancer political action committee? You know what I'm saying? Like for other diseases? Yeah, but- Cause I, I feel like, and this is me personally, that anybody with a, any kind of disease kind of gets the, the shaft. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other political action committee for. I'm not sure, to be honest, although I would imagine there are. I mean, I know that right. there are um, political action committees around mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And addiction is one of those diseases that's really hard to explain because of what happens in the brain leads to behaviors that are unfavorable. So if you tell somebody you have the disease of addiction, they make assumptions about you. Whereas if you tell somebody you have cancer, and you need money, then they're like, oh, okay, like here's $10, here's $10. You know, I feel so bad for that person. They have cancer, but nobody says I feel so bad from their heroin addict, you know? Yeah. They're like, well, you know, like that would never happen to me or that's, that's their choice or they should just stop using heroin, which is ignorant. Why? Why is it ignorant? Yeah. Because when you are in active addiction, you are robbed of your choice at that time. Completely? Completely robbed of your choice. So you, you always have the choice to ask for help, but your brain sees drugs, alcohol, or an addictive behavior as survival itself. So you're the drug or alcohol or addictive behavior is locked into long-term memory, which is why it's a lifelong disease. And, um, it's, it's right in there housed with finding food or shelter or drinking water. Like you, at that point you need it to survive. So your body tells you like when you're really, really hungry, you can't focus on anything else. And that's like something that's minor, you know, mm-hmm. cause we're, we have food and we yeah, can eat, but if you're, country. yeah, it's like, Oh, like, Oh, we're hangry. You know, I get angry when I'm hungry. Okay. But like, if you were starving, like actually literally starving, then you do a, whatever it takes to get right. that food. Yeah. You're not going, if you're starving to death and you know, maybe like hallucinating or going to pass out or whatever starvation symptoms are, your body's shutting down and so you're not going to think twice about taking a slice of pizza from a table you know whereas like if you're just like mildly hungry you're not going to walk up to a stranger and try to take their pizza because you're like "Eh, no that's weird right but (laughs) but with heroin (laughs) right yeah so that's kind of what it turns into you know is that you would right and then when you're the heroin was pizza you'd right and Take if, it right out of there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because your your body's actually telling you, if you don't do this, you will die. Yeah. And so that's why people don't have a choice. And it's like, um, if you were also starving, not just hungry, but starving, how how involved do you want to be with your family and friends? Not involved, right? Like, you don't want to have a conversation if you're starving to death. In any way, shape, or form. Right. You don't give a shit about people that you care about. Not just food, no, you can't. Your brain won't let you. Right. Yada, yada. Mm-hmm. No, I... I, I I completely understand that. Again, from me not having an education in uh, the same manner as you, part of me still believes there's some type of choice to be made. Yeah. I mean, initially there is. Which may not be the case. And I'm being educated along with the listeners. Mm -hmm. So People always have the opportunity, I think, to ask for help. But if you ask for help and then there's no help to be given, that's... Or a cell mm-hmm. to be given. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we seem to have endless cells, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we've been, yeah, we've been uh, 
criminalizing mental illness and addiction in this country for a long time. It's a big mm -hmm. business. It's very profitable. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think about how they choose people to endorse? Well, Sarah and I have gone to some of the um, earlier PAC meetings where candidates would come and speak. And that was pretty cool because they, um, the recovery PAC would invite anyone that they had come in contact with to come and show up and ask candidates questions. Um, and so there was quite a few opportunities to talk to the candidates themselves and ask them questions and kind of get their perspective and hear their story. I think there's this bias that if someone is in recovery themselves or their mom or their dad or someone they know, which I think most of us have someone we know or ourselves who has some impact by addiction, then there's this bias that, okay, then, then you must really understand mm -hmm. what would be good for the recovery community. And I don't think that's always true just because someone's in recovery themselves. That doesn't necessarily mean that they understand all the issues surrounding what's necessary to have the best recovery opportunities out there for people. Mm -hmm. Especially um, if they have the privileges or have had the privileges to get resources. Right. So someone who comes from a well-off family who struggles with addiction is going to have a very different set of opportunities for, for themselves than someone who maybe is, you know, living on in a tent on Boulder Highway using heroin. There are very few opportunities for that person to gain sobriety. One of the big things I had... I wouldn't say issues with, but just hard time understanding is them separating their personal beliefs for the cause. I think that's, it sounds really crappy to say. And this is after I read the book, The Game Changer from the 2008 elections, uh -huh. um, that really changed my whole perspective on politics in general, because we have our beliefs and people usually give a shit about the things that are important to them. So yeah, as an individual and then they bulldoze everything else. So like they don't people that vote one way because they don't want to pay a lot of money in taxes. You know, you can't have a conversation with them about they're like, well, I'm OK with same sex marriage and stuff. But like they don't realize that voting one way has all of these implications. They vote for yeah. one issue or maybe they realize it, but it's not a priority to them. Right. They're because they're not saving their tax it. money mm -hmm. is more of a priority than caring about someone's right to marriage, right? for instance. And so I think that it's, I think it's part of the political thing. And, and because recovery is truly a nonpartisan issue, like, cause it affects everybody. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, black, white, Reco Reco Republican, you know, Republican, Democrat, Democrat it doesn't whatever. matter. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that to build that case, there has to be a mix between Republicans and Democrats that are in support of recovery. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard. Cause I personally, I don't care. I don't think I could ever be a part of a political action committee. Cause if somebody went against my personal mm -hmm. belief system or who I thought is right, I would immediately just like bye then. Right. It's really hard. I mean, I'll just speak from my, my personal perspective. It was really hard because there were some candidates that they endorsed where, I thought, ooh, like there there are so many other issues I disagree with this person on. Yeah. But because recovery is so important to me, I'm going to be willing to at least open up a discourse about what they're willing at least to do. Cater to mm -hmm. the idea. Right. Let that... let's let's entertain it for a minute. Yeah. Um, and it turns out, I mean, I 
I wasn't able to go there. I couldn't vote for them. I'm going to say it. I just, I didn't believe that they would really do what was no. right. And that's or what where, I think at least. And is that's right. where my, uh, skepticism comes in mm-hmm. with who they actually endorse. Right. It's I mean, like, I think that's always the case in politics though. Right. I mean, look, our current president ran on a platform that said he was going to do all these things. He never built a wall, uh, he, cause that's thank not God. feasible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But he was able to get elected based on that because people really wanted that fucking wall. Right. I guess. I think people just like the hair. (laughs) (laughs) All things are possible with hair. Um, No, it's it's true, though. I think that people, they have hope. And when somebody in a position of power speaks with them and provides them some element Mm -hmm. of hope, um, then they are more inclined to vote for them because they're talking about issues that are important to them. Right. And sometimes it's a false hope. Right. right. And it's not like people that go on political campaigns, if you listen, they talk about different things in different states. Sure. You know, like they're not going to go to unions and speak to like union workers, like thousands of people about, um, you know, like cutting taxes for the 1% because that's not applicable to them. They're going to talk about like down home, good old boy union workers kind of thing. Like they're going to get people psyched up. Whereas when they're talking to corporate America or Wall Street, their their language and their speeches are going to change. Um, and the, I mean, it sucks that it's not just consistent across the board, but it's also as bad as it is to say it's politics, you know? Hence why I find it difficult to vote in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big, mm-hmm. big... Uh, point of contention mm-hmm. right. between, at this table. Between all three of us. Right. Um, I am willing to hear, you know, more stuff from you guys mm-hmm. on the importance of voting. So the importance of voting is that your voice really does matter and that it feels really empowering. Because it doesn't feel like it all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, not. it's true. It doesn't always feel like that. But I think um, there have been some races that are so close mm-hmm. that a few people really does matter. And in certain districts, even more importantly. How mad would you guys be at me if it was like two votes? And you didn't vote? Super pissed. Super pissed. Next week, no episode. Right. Dark. We'll go a dark week in November. (laughs) No, but I think it's it's important. And I also, from my personal experience, I get frustrated when people pick a candidate they know is not going to win. I mean, we have a bipartisan system, which means that there's Democrats and Republicans. And it shouldn't be so divided but it is and that's the case but it's like like where people that voted for jill stein yes like why you know they're like well i don't they wanted her to win obviously i know but i also think it's like well it's the lesser of two evils like or i'm just not going to pick one well it turns out you have to pick one and that's kind of what you do when you have to make they don't but it's like it's like taking the gre sometimes during a standardized test there's no 100 percent right answer but you have to pick an answer that is the best answer. Right. And so you have to weigh your options and you have to select somebody that is the best option. You might like I people that I voted for before, I don't agree with everything. I don't agree with sometimes their personal practices. I don't, but I do know that the platform that they're running on and then those committees that have endorsed them are things that I believe in. And I know that there's a lot of oversight when it comes to them. And I know that when they have to vote for things, um, my hope is that they'll vote for things that are important to me based on 
because they don't really have a lot of autonomy. Who? The people that are the higher level politicians. They can't just like the people that are endorsed. If they're like if so, if people are endorsed by the NRA, they have to vote because they got a crap ton of money from the NRA. They have to vote um, that way, or the NRA blasts them, and they no longer receive endorsements from them. They're not going to get that money next year. Yeah, they like it, that's important to them. This is this is what uh, trips me out a little bit um, with the whole money situation. Like, obviously, it costs them a lot of money to market yourself to run right absolutely but it only costs so much at the same time to me well i think some of the lower races um don't cost as much right they're not running ads they might canvas in their smaller districts and go door to door which is not necessarily that expensive but some of these bigger races um can get really pricey if if your competitor's running huge ads and taking out billboards and you know radio tv Mm -hmm. then that gets really expensive yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I just like to see if if you're getting you know millions of dollars from the NRA, right. you want to know where all that money's going. Yeah, yeah, does, of course. They're paying for their votes, right? I'm just saying, does so and so just to get to pocket that shit? Who knows? I know. Well, That's there. Again. So there is a, a breast cancer action committee, and there's a community health council mm-hmm. pack. So, Chris, another reason why I think it's really important to vote is I think about. My previous work history was working with a lot of um, refugees okay. who were not citizens and, and could not vote. And they had come from countries and places where they wished they had that opportunity. And then living here, they were fighting really hard to get their citizenship so that they could vote. So, I mean, that might be a lost point for you because you it's have the not, right. But there are so many people who don't a, have a, that right. Who it's like wish, a guilt thing, Who wish they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guilting you. It's but, not a guilt. It's just about like acknowledging. No, it that, is. No, it's not. It's the intention is not about guilt. It's more about no, acknowledging. It is. <laughs> yeah. So Caitlin's guilting him, but I think that the bigger picture is acknowledging that, acknowledging that that's your right, and then taking it seriously. Right. I mean, well, it's, it's hard not, to it's recognize our privilege when we are born into it. Mm-hmm. It's not even that. It's just it's really hard for me to feel like I matter at all in that scenario. Well, we can unpack it's that. It's not. I mean, maybe, but it's not my experience to feel like it's not my reality. I don't politics. I was really into in high school Mm -hmm. and it jaded me Mm -hmm. and it gave me a very negative world perspective for a while. So there was a point where I was just like, you know what? That's not part of my reality anymore. Mm. Yeah. I'm not participating in something I don't believe believes in me. Saying that, I I definitely um, appreciate the process of voting. Right. Mm -hmm. I personally probably will vote today because of how much I respect both of you. Thanks, Chris. If it means that much to you, then for me to do it, then I will. Thank you. Thank you. I think that your experience is very similar to other people's experiences, though, with voting or not voting um a lot of people are disillusioned mm-hmm. by the process and by our countries explain that right. term disillusioned let they, down yeah let down i feel like it's bullshit mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter like what's the point of showing up um don't have faith in it anymore right i or think that's burned really, by the system right I, I think that's a really common um feeling for a lot of people 
So what keeps you guys from feeling disillusioned? I think that there's two options, at least for me. You can either... Have hope or not have hope? Hope is important, but also um, if I've been let down by the system, it doesn't cause me to retract. I'm not like a withdrawn person. I'm more of a person to fight back. And so any opportunity I have to use my voice and share it, I try to take advantage of that. And I think that voting is just one opportunity for me to do that. And it doesn't mean that I'm not pissed off by things that happen because I'm pissed all the time. But that doesn't allow or doesn't make me want to recoil and just say, like, I'm done with this. It makes me want to get more involved. Yeah, I've gone back and forth in my adult life of being really politically engaged and active to feeling like this is bullshit. It doesn't matter. Um, and what pushes me towards being active now is um, being pissed off, being concerned for people who don't have a voice, being concerned for my children's generations and for what might happen to this country. So for me, it's um, anger, concern. And even if even if um, maybe my, my single vote is not that important, at least I can say or know for myself that I tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did what I could. Fair enough. And it's like that that quote from Eli Wiesel that wrote Night about Mm -hmm. silence is, if you're silent, then you might as as well be the voice of the oppressor. Right. So if you say nothing and do nothing, then you might as well be on the side of the oppressor. I really like that. Mm -hmm. was a trilogy, right? Dawn, Night, and Day. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, sad, and sadder. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it was wicked hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I read that book in like Mm -hmm. seventh grade. Yeah, me too. It was good. Speaking of education systems, I think that our nation does a disservice to many people by not explaining the political system well enough and how it works because we put a lot of hope in an individual candidate but don't recognize how the process actually works to get things done. And I think that that kind of falls back on the education system. And nobody wants to talk about politics in class, but I had a really, really awesome AP government teacher in high school, Mr. Green, if you're listening. Hi, Mr. You. Green. Yeah. What's funny is I've I've won some political races. See, exactly. Cool. And what would you say to those people if they were like, eh? I'd be like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd be like, vote for me. Like, is there anything? Is I there didn't anything even I... campaign. I just won. Dang. Well, Chris, I never thought I was going to win. Must be hard to be so cool, right? Mm. Yeah, that was not my experience in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I wasn't as cool as I am now. <laughs> I was way cooler back then. Wow. I peaked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to trying to peak again. I think I look way cooler than I actually am. And I open my mouth and everyone's like, oh God. (laughs) Really? (laughs) She's not that cool. (laughs) Uh she's wrong. She's pretty cool. Thank you. Um depends on what kind of nerdy stuff you're into. Truth. I'm wearing a t shirt with a Disney character on it. Super cool. Doc. Doc. You want to read the quote on the back, too? I did already. I did already. <laughs> I was in this play in high school where all I did was breathe really hard into a mic. Really? Yeah. Was it it's called? The best part ever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called. It doesn't matter, obviously. Was it, was... it called Psycho? No, it was like... <laughs> Rosemary's Baby, the oh, eighth no, grade it, play. No, it was like a. It, there was just two characters. It was a super short play. I don't remember. And yeah. your character was just doing this? I was off stage, just... <sighs> It was called Zodiac. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. I'll ask or, someone else who was in that class. Do you think it's mm-hmm. The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Recovery Pact. 
Yes. Final thoughts. I really appreciate what they're doing and I'm happy to help support them in any way that I can, especially as it relates to providing education and advocacy for the recovery community. Yeah. I'm really glad that they're here and um, I hope to see them grow. So like I said before, that there could be a more robust panel of people, mm-hmm. both for them to um, choose from and to have on their committee choosing folks. My final thoughts are, I respect what they're doing. Uh, I think it's needed, mm-hmm. but I'm keeping a skeptical eye open. I think that's wise. Yeah. One more thought is for any political action committee, like you were talking about, sorry, it's like you're giving a bunch of money to candidates for running and then putting those things into perspective. I think how many, like there should be a cap on how much you're allowed to spend on an election. Of course, I think there should always be more oversight for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, thinking about how many people, I mean, politics are important because they, they make bigger systemic changes, but thinking of how many people we could help um, by instead of giving somebody a million dollars to their campaign, you know, like why doesn't the cancer or recovery or rifle association, system. yeah, education, give it to the Star Wars pact, give it <laughs> right, the Star Wars pact. Like they could really help a lot of people, but they're putting their money in somebody that they think can help. So it's, I don't know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Something that I grapple with, and something we'll see progress. Since we live here in Nevada and it's the only state that has a recovery pact. Mm -hmm. So kudos to them. Yeah. Kudos to us. Go recovery, go. Well, that's uh, the roundtable for recovery pact. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Chris West. I'm Dr. Sarah. Bye, guys. I'm Caitlin. (laughs) Have a good day. Don't forget to listen and subscribe. We are now on Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Recover Everything. Mm-hmm.